dive into this series that we have called Kingdom Come, how, how this beautiful life is made real, is made tangible, is made concrete in our, our shared life together. And so over these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about things like serving and unity and reconciliation. And this morning, we're going to talk about encouragement and what it looks like for us to really encourage one another. So, so I want us to start like this. This is a quote by a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who, who writes passionately about this shared community life that we are called to. He writes, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. I wonder how often you feel uncertain. I wonder how often you feel discouraged. And I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand on this. So hear me say that. But, but I wonder right now how many of us feel uncertain and discouraged right here, right now. And if, if that's not you, because we live in a broken world, a jacked up world, the, the, the cards are that uncertainty and discouragement are coming our way at some point in our futures. So where do we go with that? I think Bonhoeffer, in his quote, he's not just simply saying, hey, hey, go to church and hear a sermon. Right? That's part of it. That's definitely part of it. But, but when you are, are way down in the valley of uncertainty, when you are way down in that valley of discouragement, what you need is somebody to come alongside you, to come alongside and to be there in that valley with you. To speak God's word to you, to point you to Jesus, to walk with you in and through that valley. And this is so important for where we are going this morning. Because I think when we hear that word encouragement or that phrase encouraging one another, we, we tend to think of a superficial kind of encouragement. A pat on the back and add a boy and add a girl. Hey, you're doing a great job. Keep your head up. Keep pushing on kind of encouragement. But, but the biblical idea of encouragement is so much more than that. And we'll see that, that in our scripture this morning, it is, it is coming alongside somebody. It is linking arms with someone as we walk with them, as they walk with you through the highs and the lows of this life. And it's not just having that kind of person in your own life, but it's also being that kind of person for someone else, offering encouragement and support. Another quote for you, here's how James Bryan Smith says it. He says, the difficulties faced in growing as apprentices of Jesus, and that is our call to be disciples, to make disciples. A key is to have someone standing with us who will hear the state of our soul, Someone who will push us to be who we want to be and will be there in the end to ask, how are you doing? And so the questions that we're going to drive to this morning, and we'll come to these at the end of our time, really are simply this. Who are you allowing to encourage you and who are you encouraging? Before we get to all that, let us pray together this morning. And I'm going to have this go quiet. I'm actually going to invite you in this time. I'm going to create some space in this time. I'll give you some questions. I'll give you some prompts. But I would invite you to pray for you in this time. 
So as we begin this prayer time, Psalms 139 says, I could never escape from your spirit. I could never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down into the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. And so as we begin this prayer time, I invite you to simply recognize God's presence with you right here and right now. I'll give you some moments for that. As we read God's word this morning together, as we talk this morning, as we're together as a church family, what does it look like for you to be present to God this morning? As we talk about biblical encouragement, what kind of encouragement might you need today? Who might God be inviting you to encourage? Do you have any sense of this as we begin our conversation? Father, allow this time, this conversation, our coming around your word together. Allow us to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear how you are speaking to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we are gonna start with the command. Our marching orders when it comes to encouragement, and we're gonna jump into Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And so in this part of the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is saying, because of Jesus, let's go. Let's go right into the presence of God. Let's hold tightly onto our hope. And then as we get into verse 24, the writer of Hebrews gives us another let's go statement or let us statement, and says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I need you to see something important in these verses, right? This, this motivating one another to acts of love and good works that we see in verse 24. Really, we find out what that means and how we do that in verse 25. And we do that by our meeting together, our being together, by our encouraging one another. And this is an up close, right? That, that's what that word encouragement means in the original language. It's this up close relational investment, standing with someone kind of encouragement. We started our conversation by looking at that quote from Dallas Willard. 
Do you have someone in your life who will stand with you and point you to Christ? As you share what is truly going on deep down inside. Those, those uncertainties and discouragements and fears and questions and struggles and sin. As well as your joys and triumphs. Someone to stand with you and to point you to Jesus. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. That's what the writer of Hebrews wants for you. Because for all of our connectivity in our world in 2019, for all the people coming and going around us, for all of our social media friends, we as a society are living lives that are more isolated than any point in history. And I'm afraid that, that, that as a church we are guilty of the same. We are living lives that are more and more isolated. And following Jesus, please hear me say that, say this, that that following Jesus cannot be lived out in isolation. That following Jesus is not a lone ranger, lone wolf way of life. For your own growth in Christ, you need your brothers and sisters actively involved in your life, and your brothers and sisters need you just as much. So the Bible gives us a picture of encouragement of true life-on-life encouragement done, done really well. And this picture that the Bible gives us centers around this guy by the name of Barnabas. And so we're going to look at a couple of snapshots from Barnabas' life coming out of the book of Acts. So we're going to begin in Acts chapter 4 and then hop to Acts chapter 9 and then end up in Acts chapter 11. And so as we read these passages, as you read with me, as you listen, I want you to look out for how. I want you to look out for the ways that that Barnabas comes alongside to help and to support and to encourage. Because when when we finish our reading, we're going to come back to to this question, and I'm going to need your help. And the question is, what kinds of tangible, concrete things does Barnabas actually do to encourage those that are around him? So that's our question. Let's start to find our answers starting in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. Here's just the first couple of verses prior to that to give us context. Going to start in verse 34. So the early church shared their possessions. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Then verse 36, for instance, there was Joseph. One of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field that he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So this guy Barnabas is such an encourager that, that his nickname is literally son of encouragement. So if we hop back to our question... Right? What, what tangible kinds of things does Barnabas do to, to encourage those around him? Help me out. What did you see in that verse or those verses? He gave, right, he gave money. He, he was generous. So, so much more than just financial generosity, right? Because being an encourager to someone really is all about generosity, isn't it? If you're encouraging someone, you are being generous with your time and your attention. You are being being generous with your life. You're sharing your life with that person that you are encouraging. Okay, we're off to a good start. 
Acts chapter 9, in verse, in verse, verses 26 through 30. Background here is that Saul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life is so radically changed that, that he starts talking about Jesus, preaching about Jesus, can't shut up about Jesus and so people are so upset with him that they try to kill him and so, so Paul, Saul escapes to, to Jerusalem and then in verse 26 of chapter 9 we read this. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. So if we hop back to our question again, what are the concrete things that we see here that Barnabas does to encourage Saul? What did you see in those verses? Right, he stood up for him. So there's a couple things there, right? He vouches for Saul. He also networks for Saul. Barnabas is connected into this church, and so, so he pulls Saul into that network of church leaders. What else? What's that? Yeah, right? So, so that, that's that, that, again, that, that networking piece. Does, does Barnabas risk a lot for Saul? He absolutely does, right? So, so there's this thing where people are going, whoa, whoa, this Saul guy, he is deep undercover. So not only is there a physical risk, but, but Barnabas seems to be the only person who will go to bat for Saul. Can, can you imagine what people were saying about Barnabas before, before Saul's sincerity had been proven? I'm sure those weren't nice things. And so, and so Barnabas is literally risking his reputation on Saul, right? He knows Saul. He's able to give the backstory of what Saul has been up to and what Saul has experienced because, because he has spent time with Saul. He knows Saul. One more passage for us. There's explosive growth as this Jesus movement spreads out from Jerusalem. And, and, and the church in Antioch starts just to blow up in a good way. And because of the, the physical distance between Jerusalem and, and Antioch, the church leaders in Jerusalem want to make sure that this thing happening in Antioch is the real deal. And so guess who they send? They send Barnabas. That brings us to Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 22. It says, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. 
Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So not only is is Barnabas encouraging an individual, encouraging Saul, but he's also encouraging an entire church. So again, what concrete things did we see in these couple of verses? How does he do that? Are these questions that hard? Are you guys just super quiet this morning? He invests time, right? He, he's present. That's how we can say that, right? He's present. He, he's with Saul and this church, it says, for an entire year. And I'll give you the last one I'm looking for. He points to Jesus. Right? That's at the heart of any kind of biblical encouragement. He points to Jesus as he encourages these believers to stay true to the Lord. Right? So here's the list that we have. Here's how Barnabas does encouragement. Generosity, he vouches for Saul, he networks, he risks, he knows Saul, he's present, and he points to Jesus. And yeah, Barnabas does these things in in a big way, but, but don't let that scare you. Right now, we're just looking at the ways that Barnabas encourages. And so I wonder what on this list resonates with you. What on this list is something that you see and you think, you know what, I, 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 I could do that. I could do that for someone else. Because remember, encouraging each other isn't a hey, if you get around to it kind of thing. Encouragement is a this is critical in your walk with Jesus kind of thing. Right? As we saw a few minutes ago in the book of Hebrews. We are called. You are called to encourage. You are called to allow people in your life who will encourage you. And I want to hit pause on this whole thing for a minute because there's something that we said about Barnabas that I think we we need to spend a few moments with, and it's this. Encouragement involves risk. It is risky to put yourself out there. It is risky to come alongside someone in the, in the hope of offering them encouragement. There's always a risk when you share your time, your attention, you share your life, you share whatever else God places on your heart to share because now you've got skin in the game. I think Dustin used that phrase last week. And whenever you've got skin in the game, there is vulnerability and with vulnerability comes risk. Another risk is this, to be on the receiving end of encouragement, to open your life up to someone who is wise and gentle and filled with the spirit to get close to you, to allow someone to see your struggles, to allow someone to see your sins so that they can point you to Jesus just like Barnabas did, to let someone get close to you, there is risk there. With a biblical life-on-life, real-stuff-of-life kind of encouragement, risk is part of the equation. But that's what makes this a kingdom conversation. Remember, we're calling this series Kingdom Come. 
right? Embracing that risk is one of the things that makes this a kingdom conversation because, because of that level of risk that you do open yourself up to when you do real life with someone, you will only ever be okay with that risk as you know that you are secure in God's kingdom. That you are secure if you are a believer because you are in real relationship with the king. Because Jesus died for you, is with you, loves you beyond your comprehension, will, will be there and will take care of you no matter the 100 different ways that someone can, can let you down as, they, as you let them into your life, either as the encourager or the one receiving the encouragement. That you can boldly come along someone as, as they let you in and you can allow a wise, gentle, spirit-filled encourager into your life and embrace the risk that comes with that because no matter what happens, you are ultimately safe as a child of the king. One more thing about risk, is it worth it? The thing that I have found as I have looked over these last four years in talking to you and looking at different churches and talking to pastors is that when you see someone becoming more and more like Jesus, when you see a life that is being transformed, when you see someone walking in abundant life, they will always have people encouraging them, surrounding them, and so it is worth the risk. When you see someone growing into abundant life, there always seems to be be three things at play. Truth and intimacy and accountability. And truth is simply how life really works. And intimacy is coming alongside someone where you give them healthy access to you. Your highs, your lows, your joys, your struggles, your fears, your questions, your sins. And accountability is then allowing that person that you've given access to, to gently and and with love for you, And that sometimes means that hard things do get said, but always in a spirit of love. It's not to knock you down, right? Accountability is to allow someone to help sharpen you into the person that God is inviting you to be. And so if we can be honest as a church, we do okay with the truth thing, but how do we do at intimacy? How do we do at accountability? And I gotta be honest with you, that is a challenge for us. Because without real intimacy and real accountability, walking in the abundant life that Jesus promises will always feel like a far off promise. Because we have cut ourselves off from the life-giving encouragement that is crucial in any growing relationship with Christ. And so that brings us full circle back to our two questions. Who are you allowing to encourage you and who are are you encouraging? 
And so this morning, as we close, I'm going to ask Brad Zimmerman to come up and just to share with us for a few minutes why he's inclined to enter into these kind of encouraging relationships and some of the tangible ways that he has found to do that. Brad. Thanks, Brian. Wow, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Well, I was asked by Brian to come up here this morning and just speak a little bit, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm honored to be up here this morning, and um, I think this message is so important as we go through life, because like Brian said, if we do not, or if we are not deliberate about being intentional about leaning towards encouragement, the default of the world is always going to be discouragement. Everywhere we look, you know, we're not tall enough, fast enough, educated enough, we don't have enough, you know, and social media has played into that role, I think, greatly as far as that comparison thing can happen so quickly now and go viral so easily through social media. So I know there's been many times in my life, uh, you know, that I needed encouragement going through challenging times through many different circumstances, and it's when I really became aware of the value of mentorship. And uh, I have a lot of mentors in my life. Um, we are fortunate here at church to have a church full of people um, that have gone before us in many different circumstances. And a lot of times when you tap on their shoulder and you're willing to go out for breakfast or coffee or just brainstorm with them or share with them, a lot of times they're willing to. And I've done that multiple times in my life where, you know, you look up as a mentor and, and you look up to someone that is, has gone before you and you sit down with them and just run things past them. And it's amazing how you can leave that meeting being encouraged. Um, and, and sometimes it's a, it's a more parallel role where there might be people that you're walking along aside, you know, in life. Like Brian said, you might lock arms together and it might be someone that's in the same area of life as you. And I do that as well. And I feel that encouragement from other friends and family. Uh, there's other ways that, that we get encouraged as a family and myself. Um, one is through our small group. Uh, we have a small group here that meets on a regular basis, and I think that's part of the spiritual encouragement is that we're meeting with our small group on a regular basis to encourage us in life and pray with us and just walking life together. Um, so that's another way that we're encouraged. Um, there, there's encouragement. You know, I think of, you know, the past year, uh, you know, last year, uh, there's a group of us guys, you know, that went on the Guatemala trip, and we just started to tap each other in the shoulder and invite each other to say, hey, this could be something kind of cool. I know we got to leave our families for a week, um, but I have to say that was one of the most encouraging weeks in my life, just kind of bonding together with those guys. So I'd recommend, and again, I think the Guatemala meetings this afternoon, so Jim, there's a little tag for you, but th th that was a time in life where we kind of tapped each other on the shoulder and went together and bonded arms and, and traveled to Guatemala. You know, I also think, you know, when, when, when I think of mentorship, you know, you often, I often think of, like, looking up, you know, to people or, or sideways, but, like, encouragement can come from all around, you know, and I think right now our family's going through the adoption process, and uh, some of you have gone through that as well, and, and there's highs and lows, there's challenges, and it's amazing how many times we've been encouraged by a lot of people but even our kids, you know, our kids looked up to Kate and I and, and have given words of encouragement with that like childlike faith of like, yes, we have to pursue in faith. And when there's like 11 year olds and 10 year olds encouraging you on that, it's like, wow, that's awesome. 
So encouragement can come from all around. And, and I think the number one encourager and, and mentor in our life, you know, is God. And, you know, when you go back to Hebrews 3.13, it says encouraging one, we should encourage one another daily so that as long as it is called today so that no one may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So I think as I end and as I close, I don't know how much time I really had and maybe I went over, but I think what we need to be aware of is as we're going through life, as our heart kind of leads us to say, you know what, maybe I should just call that person or maybe I should just send that text or maybe I should write that note. I'd encourage you to do it, and I'm going to encourage myself to do it because you never know how it's going to affect or change a life when you send that text or you give that call or you write that note. So thank you, and I encourage all of you to encourage one another. Thank you. If you were to actually put into practice some of the stuff that we've been talking about this morning, what Brad just talked about, can you imagine how your life might change? If you're the person coming alongside someone to encourage them, can you imagine how their life might change? How does our church change if we start to do truth and intimacy and accountability well? Who are you allowing to encourage you and who are you encouraging?